You want to find and keep your tribe of raving fans. I want to support that journey. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with your host, Justin Lamb of 360 Media. I explore ways to help you build a more attractive business that finds and keeps your tribe of raving fans. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb and you're listening to episode 28 of Digging Deep, uh, where we help business owners do better business. And so today I have uh, a wonderful gentleman. Uh, he is such a giving individual uh, and he's you know, managed to spare a little bit of his time today to join me here on the podcast. He's owner of a automotive uh, shop here in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, serving all makes of models uh, from cars to light trucks. And he's got such a wonderful journey, and I'm so glad that uh, he's he's going to be able to help us share some of that today. So, welcome, Bernie from Bird from Pollock Automotive. Thank you, thank you for that introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, first of all, I, I want to thank you for for coming on, and you know, I want to ask you: Has things changed in the last few months as uh, as we've gone kind of gone on to? to adapting to new ways has has your business been impacted it has been um fortunately it's it's probably about as busy as usual now uh it it took a little dip uh for a bit uh had to lay a f- few people off but it actually gave me a really good opportunity to refocus my business i had a couple of uh you know people are working at least one who was a bit of a Perhaps I had a few issues with them and, and I had to lay them off and it's actually given me the opportunity to replace them with somebody else, which has been really good. Um, so that's been like a, a gift out of it all. Um, I've had to get back in there and do work I don't normally do that I'd had that had other people do. So that's been kind of a, a bit humbling, I guess, but I realized, you know, the business, you got to be able to scale it up and down. Unfortunately, I was able to just kind of go, okay, this is what I got to do to survive because who knows, you know, I wasn't sure whether we were going to be shut down or, you know, by the government and Fortunately, we weren't, and we stayed relatively busy, about two-thirds of our normal business. So that's been good. And now we're back. Now we're rocking it again. So that's good. Amazing. And so I like it that you mentioned, uh, you know, as a business owner, you have to scale up and down. Uh, and life hasn't always been so so great uh, in the road of entrepreneurship for you. Could you tell uh, and share a little bit about, you know, where you started and, and how did you get to, uh, you know, being in the automotive sector in the, in the first place? Yeah, well, uh, in, in a nutshell, I was, you know, a teenager, I was pretty talented at fixing cars. And a friend of mine's sister said to me, Hey, you're really good at this, you should start your own business. And I graduated high school, and I went off and got a job somewhere doing nothing related to cars. And I got laid off from that job after about a year and a half and uh, thought, Hey, you know what, I think I'll start my own business. And there wasn't really a lot at stake. Uh, I liked fixing cars, I lived in, I still live with my parents. So there wasn't, you know, a mortgage to pay or children to take care of. It was pretty easy. So I just started my own business and it kind of, uh, I put my tools in the trunk of my car. Eventually I, you know, morphed into having a van and, you know, branding it as a more, you know, sort of better business, you know, mobile auto repair business and did that for about seven years until I realized I hated it because I was just out working on my own out in the street. And you've been to Vancouver, it rains a lot here. So it's not a lot of fun working on cars out in the street after a while, but you know, I, I, and I did have a mortgage to pay and I was married and, you know, so there was a lot more commitment after a while and uh, got out of that, took a couple of years off doing some other stuff. And then, uh, then I started a shop working on my own and built it up to what it is now, which is a, a five bay shop with about six, six employees. So Amazing. that's, that's kind of, that's the journey. Amazing. So yeah. 
let's go back to when you were when you were young and you know can you can you talk about you know what a relief that is not having to have a mortgage like i think a lot of people who you know maybe listening to this uh often think about when they start a business you know there's so many variables in play and you know how did having uh somebody paying a mortgage and and letting you stay at home you know help you in the beginning stages yeah i mean it well it made just made things easy and, and freeing to not have to make a lot there wasn't there wasn't a lot of pressure to make a lot of sales and and i mean i wasn't uh, i never gone to any business school so i'd uh I just kind of, all, all I knew was I had to make more money than, you know, the, my time was worth some money and the parts I was putting on cars were worth some money. So that just kind of made sense. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really spend a lot of time looking at the really nitty gritty details of everything, but I was slowly able to just kind of build up some customer base and, uh, um, you know, so that was, that was kind of nice. It's nice having someone to back you and when you're able to do that, um, and, and, and build slowly, it, it's kind of a, it's a good way to go, I think. And so when it came time and you did get married, what changed uh, in terms of the pressures and, and the expectations that kind of come with that level of maturity, so to speak, in our lives? Well, I think, you know, I think the biggest commitment my wife and I had, we were, we were both pretty young when we got married. And, uh, you know, our biggest commitment was we decided to buy a house. So there was a mortgage to pay. And, and I mean, compared to, and compared to what it cost to buy a house now, it was dirt cheap, but it's still a lot of money back to us back then. So there was a fair bit of a commitment there and um, you know, the just work needed to be done. It's um, you know, let's say in Vancouver it rains a lot and you, you kind of, you might have the tendency to go, well, it's raining today. I won't go to work, but it was kind of like, well, I have, and, and it wasn't actually just a commitment to me making money. It was, a, you know, I've got clients and customers and people are counting on me. And if you take good care of those people, they're going to come back and they're going to refer friends. So it's to me, it's, it's uh, I think a success in business is, to, is the higher commitment is to take care of your clients and your customers. Uh, not just for your own, it, it'll pay off to you in, in the end, but it's like, it's good to take care of people because, you know, they like that. <laughs> well, they definitely yeah. do like it yeah. when you take care sense. of them. But, yeah. you know, on the flip side of that is, is if you don't take care of people and they do talk, people do talk and you can burn yourself into the ground uh, pretty quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It did. So, yeah. Yeah. So at what point in your career did you start to look at uh, things like, accounting and other business metrics like when did you know that you had like a real business at hand and that this could really be something for you well i i'd already i had an accountant all along um but i never really you know you know i, I never really dug too deep into it until i was probably i don't know probably i hate i'm kind of embarrassed to say like 15 or 20 years into having a business where i, where I, where I actually started to hire employees and then, uh, you know, and then uh, after a while, I, I, I think I was kind of a late bloomer in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, looking at those kind of details. I, in, I, mean, I don't really have a lot of regrets, but I kind of, some way, I mean, I've met a lot of shop owners. You know, I'm 58 now. I mean, I, I'm, I know a lot of shop owners who, you know, by this time they would have bought a shop and paid it off. And I, you know, I still rent, which is okay. Cause the rents, the rent's really reasonable. Um, but um you know, they're, they're, you know, when they were like 30 years old, they're going, okay, I'm going to, you know, buy this building and I'm going to do this and do that. And I, I didn't quite have that acumen then. So, so it probably kicked in. I was probably, I mean, I, I think like I've been taking the business like really seriously for probably about the last 10, like 15 years, but like the last 10, I've really ramped it up in terms of look, really looking at the numbers and the figures and, and, uh, 
how to get everything done. That's, that's really kind of a little late in life, I think, but you know, it's, it's never too late as long as you're it's alive. Ever too late. I think. Never too late. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's such a journey and, and I think social media does a real disservice to people about trying to accelerate and try to go where grass is greener um, yeah. and, and chasing after things that, you know, might be a little bit more uh, smoke and mirrors than it is real, real truth about it. Yeah. What do you think you know, about that journey about, you know, entrepreneurship and, and hard work and, and building a business? You know, I, I love it. I mean, it is, it is a journey. And uh, I was thinking uh, one thing I've reflected back on about, I don't know, 15, say about, say about 15 years ago, another shop owner that I know introduced this program to me. And it's, it was a shop management group that would meet and we'd look at our, we'd kind of compare our, our numbers and our figures. That's really when I got into it. So I guess if we say 15 years ago, we looked at our, our metrics of our business, you know, how many you know, hours we're selling per technician and, you know, diff, different uh, profit thing, you know, things that were important for the auto repair business. And I joined the group and I had a, I had a one, one base shop with one mechanic. Uh, I call it a one and a half base shop. And that, that was kind of it. And there was a, you know, my friend who introduced me, he had about a five or six base shop, you know, been going for a long time. And there was another, another shop owner nearby. He, again, he had about a five base shop and the, the owner at the five base shop, he was like, you know, $900,000 a year in sales. And I was probably like, you know, 200, 300, maybe 300 or something. And meanwhile, that's kind of cool. So, but I, I've, I've been in this group, it's evolved and changed, but I'm still in the same group. And, and one of the one of the uh, shop owners, you know, he'd, uh, he'd left and he came back and I'm looking at, and my sales are actually higher than his now. And I'm going, this is cool. I've, I've actually gone from, you know, being this little guy, I've actually created this large shop, you know, and it, it took quite a few years and it was slow and steady, but it's, that's really a, a pretty exciting part of it. That's uh, so amazing to hear. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and, and I'm, I'm going like, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, as I say, I'm 58, I'm still, I'm still game. I haven't even I'm still going, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I got plans. So plans are awesome. As long as you keep it going further, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally think that's amazing. So here's a, here's a loaded question. Everybody on social media is chasing after a million dollar business. Yeah. Truth or truth or, uh, or, or, or false, you know, about how easy it is to actually have a million dollar business. Well, it's not really that hard, uh, depending, it's not really that hard. I think you just got to work at it and it depends on what you're selling too. I mean, uh, I just think, I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, I, I know we know each other from BNI, you know, there's, there's a lot of different people of different businesses and everyone's metrics are different. So if you're, you know, if you have a, I'm just saying like a hairstylist, you know, you're, you're, you know, the amount of work, the, the amount of money you can generate is much smaller than say, uh, a lawyer, you know, it's just the metrics of the business. So it, it really depends on what it is. And for some people, if you're a sole practitioner in certain lines of work, you know, half a million dollars a year in sales could be a huge amount of money if, if you're able to retain most of it. You know, for me, like our sales were, I think, $1.2 million last year, and they'll be a little lower this year, but you know, they're consistently going up, you know, and it's like, I mean, I don't get to retain, you know, if I retained that, I'd be, it would be really awesome. But you know, there's people to pay and rent and tool parts and tools and all sorts of stuff. But, um, you know, it's really not that hard if you just kind of work at it and keep, keep consistent and keep focused. Yeah. So I believe that it's, it's something that doesn't come overnight. 
um, and that you know we do build a, upon it. Now, getting to a place uh, of where a business like yours is a fairly sizable uh, venture, yeah. what do you do in terms of trying to protect your business from things like you know COVID that that's happened here? You know, I, I believe cash flow is king. Is maybe I should predicate is I believe cash flow is king, but you know, for for a business like yours, you know, how are you trying to make sure that you weather storms like this? Like, you know, what can a business owner, you know, really look at to improve their business, you know, and and, and be able to weather large storms? Well, I think I think it's uh, you know, like you said, cash is king. And I, I mean, I, I hate to admit, but I actually didn't have a lot of cash going into it. I ha- you know, I have, uh, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of stuff financed. Uh, you know, I have a mortgage on a house. I have four kids. It's like my life. My life is pretty expensive. You know, so so I, I require to have a fair bit of cash flow. But but what I, what I realized when COVID hit is I go, okay, how can I reduce some of my costs immediately? You know, so I I, I was able to defer some lease payments and some things, and you know, and just kind of work with people. And, 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 you know, I think in, in, in amongst like having some cash is a great thing. Uh, but you know, also having good relationships with your, with our, my suppliers and people like that is kind of helped. And, you know, I really, I mean, I'm not in any further debt really because of it. I, you know, I just spent a little less money and, uh, kept my cost down. So if, if you can reduce things, you know, that helps, but, uh, you know, certain things, I wasn't able to reduce, like the rent still costs the same amount of money, uh, you know, but I think like you said, you know, having a bit of cash and, and, and thinking, and you realize, you know, with, with, with COVID, I mean, it's, it's something like this has never happened in my lifetime. And there's people a lot older than me who go, wow, it's never happened. So, you know, these things do happen and, and we do need to be prepared, prepared for something, but who knows what the next thing will be. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, business owners need to, uh, be aggressive to some degree, but ensuring that you have proper cash flows to weather storms like this. Because like you said, we don't know when this stuff happens. Uh, and when it does, it's, it's a freak of nature. I mean, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so for, for you, uh, is, is succession, uh, you know, part of the, the equation? Um, would you look to, to have somebody in the family take over? Uh, or would you be looking to sell like down the road? You know, what does it look like when you come to to that point where, you know, in the next horizon of maybe 10 or 15 years from now, you know, you, you are, would you be owning this, this still or, you know, are you going to, to be on the beaches of Mexico? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I, I have four kids and some of them are, you know, they're adults and none of them show any interest in the business. And I, it doesn't really matter to me. I know there's a lot of, you know, family owned businesses where people are like, you know, you've got to have one of your kids take over. I'm really, um, I really like the idea of creating a business where I don't have to be here. Um, and that with, you know, that's happened to a certain degree until COVID. And then I had to kind of come back in and, and take care of everything, but I can kind of see, I could, I figure I could go one of a couple of ways. I mean, if somebody actually came along and offered a, a substantially huge amount of cash for the business, I could probably, I'd probably consider selling it. But, um, and, and maybe, and I think the, around that, the idea is of course, how do, how do I make the business sell, saleable when it's, you know, I mean, it has my name on it, Pollock Automotive, but if people don't expect to deal with me, then, then it makes the business a lot more saleable when you can, you know, anyone can step in and fix the cars. Someone else, you know, talks to the customers. I'm just kind of in, I'm just kind of work, working in the back, which is, which is actually a really good place to be. So, you know, if I can, 
but you know, if I don't sell it, I mean, I could theoretically, you know, take a, you know, come in two days a week and make sure, make sure everything's managed, hire a manager, you know, spend, uh, you know, more time on the beach. That's, that would work too. Uh, you know, the thing that worries me, the only thing that worries me about that is ultimately I'm still responsible. So if I'm like 75 years old and another COVID thing happens, do I want to come in and actually start fixing cars? It might be, you know, it might be a little beyond my, uh, age category so i think at that point you just probably just pack it up well yeah it, well exactly <laughs> i'd be in that boat too i'd be like yeah. i think we're done i think if this is happening again i'm i'm gonna find a way to get out of the leases and beyond yeah well you know you're saying about future proofing the business too and maybe i just if i'm drifting off just let me know but you know I, one thing or oh, technology is it changes a lot you know and uh uh you know what Concerns me in the back. I mean, I've seen cars change so much. You know, the kind of stuff I used to do, um, you know, when, when I first started working on cars, like tune-ups with like points and condenser. I mean, most people don't even know what that is anymore, but you'd have to adjust things on cars and carburetors. And that, that was like a big part of the business. And now nothing's adjustable. It's like you, you, now, you know, if something goes wrong, you figure out what it is. Well, like, so, so we've learned how to do that. There's lots of, you know, it's still a great, you know, business to be in, but I'm thinking, okay, when, you know, electric cars are on the horizon and they're way less complicated. You know, there's, you know, half the car, half the work we do on cars is, is engine repairs and there won't be any engines to repair. So how, what, how, what kind of a business are we going to have then? So, so I'm really thinking forward about that kind of thing. I mean, a lot of people my age would be thinking, ah, oh, well, whatever, I won't be in the business in 10 years. So I don't care about that. But to me, I'm going, I, I like, I want to leave a legacy. Like I want this thing to keep going. So I'll just, I'm just going to kind of treat it like I'm going to live forever. And how, how would I, how would it be, you know, going forward? And, you know, that's probably actually kind of a good way to think now, you know, as, as I mentioned it, you know, and, and then uh, just adapt the business as, as it goes. Cause I oh, think there still will awesome. be a business. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's amazing that you think that way. And, and I, and I think you're right. A lot of business owners wouldn't, wouldn't be in that mind frame, you know, or mindset at that point. So I think it's, uh, it's really quite refreshing to hear that, uh, that you're looking that this could possibly be for the extra long haul. And, uh, and yet you're still, you know, forward thinking that keeps you top of mind. Yeah. I mean, I, pro you know, I, I clearly I won't live forever. It's probably a good thing, you know, it's so, but you know, if someone else takes over and buys a business, you know, or whatever they do with it, hope, you know, if they have the same mindset, then, you know, who knows 50 or hundred years from now, the business may still exist. If there's, you know, if, uh, unless robots are so good that they can actually just do all the work for us. <laughs> uh, might end up taking my job before yours uh, <laughs> yeah the future like you you know we never know it's well, speaking of technology though yeah. speaking of technology uh something that is really quite interesting and, and very unique in your business um is you're one of the very first pioneers at least in vancouver to really jump on that social media train uh you know producing what ended up becoming a, a fairly popular youtube channel can you tell uh, me or tell the uh, tell the the listeners a little bit about you know how you decided to enter that and you know what's come uh, from from that venture. Well, I started uh, doing SEO work uh, with a, someone who's uh, now I'd call him my friend. You know, we, and so we, I he said he said to me, hey, you you got to create content. And so I I love photography, um, not so much photographing car parts, but I thought you know I like doing creative things like writing and photographing. So I thought, okay, well I I like the idea of creating content because I can actually write about stuff, 
you know, write about car things. I, I kind of enjoy talking about the subject because I'm, you know, I've got some expertise on it. So, and I think I'm good at explaining car workings to people in a way that's interesting and, and, and understandable. Um, so I, so I started, you know, we started doing content. So, you know, when blogs were the thing, like written blogs, I'd write out a, a one or two blogs every week. I'd write, pick, pick a couple of topics that I figured would be useful. I created some videos, um, which are, which were pretty time consuming, but I created a couple of good videos, uh, a number of different videos, took photographs, you know, put them together with blog posts. Sorry, I keep banging my microphone. Um, put them together with blog posts and uh, you know, we did that and that kind of evolved and okay, well videos more popular. So we started doing uh, videos and then we started doing Google Hangouts, which were kind of a nice sort of interview, exactly the way you and I are doing this interview style. And then podcasts kind of came in. So we put those on YouTube and I've just had a lot of fun along the way doing it. And it's, it's, um, you know, it's actually, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't really like celebrities, but, but I have to say I've actually created a celebrity status for myself and my business. Like there are customers who come in and they deal with my service advisors, you know, and then, and then they see me and they, they wave at me and go, Hey, I saw your video. And people, I don't know people like that kind of stuff. They, it's kind of, uh, I don't see it from an ego thing, but it, you know, to me as a business owner, I go, that's cool. This is actually effective. And uh, one, you know, so that's, so the neat thing is, I mean, it's, it's brought a lot of, it's brought a lot of business in and, and in, uh, you know, in ways that what, what I found really neat about it is I've, I've, I've noticed that there's certain things where we'll do a video about it and then people will start calling up. So I've noticed that if I want to work on more Jaguar cars, I'll just do more bit videos and podcasts about Jaguars and when people search and they go, Oh, you know, Pollock Automotive, their Jaguar expert. So I remember had someone called me up and said, Hey, I understand you're a Jaguar expert. And I wasn't really, but you know, I said, yeah, of course we are, you know, and, and we've just do more and more and more of them. So, um, that's awesome. And so yeah. did you, did you tinker around quite a while before you find, find that magic formula that sort of worked for you? Uh, and, and how, how did you kind of stumble upon it? Was that your friend who, who put that together? Um, or, you know, you tried a bunch of different things or, or was it just like, you know, one hit wonder? You know what? We just, we just kind of worked our way through it. And I just kind of, I, we, we just kind of worked through the technology of the time. As I was saying, you know, I did the written things with photographs. Cause I think, you know, again, at one time writing stuff and, and just changing content was what worked for Google. And so we did that. And then, you know, videos became pop, you know, became popular and go, okay, let's do videos. And then, uh, you know, what I found about videos is I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I'd create these videos and I have all this, you know, fancy equipment and it took a long time to put a video together and edit it and do everything. And, you know, they look really nice, but I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't really have a lot of time to spend on it. So what, what's evolved is basically what you and I are doing right now. And that is just talking on camera interview style. It's so easy to do. So I just, that, that's what works really well. And then the other thing is he, he actually transcribes it into text. So we kind of attack everything from all angles text. And then I, one of my, uh, my office admin person in my shop, she, she loves doing, um, she loves doing social media. She's young. I, I'm not much of a social media person. When I hired her, I talked to her about, it. she goes, yeah, I love doing social media. I said, good, you just run with it. And so she's been doing all sorts of social media stuff too. And that puts the podcasts and videos out to further reach. But I, I think the success about it is that I like doing it. It's fun. And I think no matter what kind of business you have, because people have noticed for years I've, I've been successful. And I, 
I've had, you know, I know people with like carpet cleaning businesses and I go, you know, you can do like something every week that's interesting that people would, would watch. So, you know, there's no business that isn't, you know, interesting that you couldn't talk about. Yeah, I think that's uh, the important thing that people should take uh, home with them is content is is not up to you to curate. It's what the audience wants. And you never know what the audience wants until you put it out there. So it's a matter of just continuing to putting out things that interest you. And uh, and even if it doesn't interest you, if it interests other people, I mean, you could be onto something. Yeah. And yeah, so it's worked. Yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, I was say, yeah, go, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say it, it's worked really well. And it's, what's great is working with somebody else is that it gives a, Having, having someone to be accountable with helps. It works. It makes it easier. And, you know, sometimes if I do, if I do have an idea about something, he might just say, you know what, I don't know, I think we should do that. Maybe it's not the right thing. So it's good having someone to bounce, bounce things off of. Fantastic. So do you come up with the topics or does he? Uh, I generally come up with them. Oh, yeah. Good job. But, but you know, it, yeah, I do. But, you know, sometimes feedback, we, we look at things like, you know, for instance, you know, we've, we, we've done some where they're just more general, like, you know, how reliable are Subarus or how reliable are Audis and say, you know, we should do another one that's update one of those because those are some of our most popular um, podcasts or videos. So, so, you know, sometimes we just kind of work with what, what, what's popular. But, you know, those, yeah. I mean, some of the, the, the negative things about it, I mean, I'm in Vancouver and so my, my customer base is really ideally, you know, in the Vancouver, greater Vancouver area, but I, I get people who call, you know, probably once a day, someone from Nebraska out in the cornfield somewhere with a Ford truck and, Hey, uh, I saw your video. I just wonder if you can tell me how to fix this thing. And you know, it, it, that kind of gets a little annoying, but, but, um, um, but by the same token, I was, I was on a, on a cruise, uh, in the Caribbean a couple years ago. And my wife and I are sitting in the back bar at the back of the boat, having a drink with somebody. And this man walks up to me and goes, you look really familiar. Do you do, do you do videos on cars? And I said, yeah. So then this guy, this guy, he goes, I watch all your videos. He goes, I own a Land Rover. And you know, so it was kind of cool. You know, that's a, it's never it's happened. Like a double-edged since. sword. It's I know, but I was, I, I go, okay. Uh, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. It just gave me a little flavor of what it must be like being a, you know, well-known celebrity where people walk up to you and, you know, well, maybe it's not it the reason I long. do it. it might be. It's not it the reason I do it, but it's kind of fun, you know. <laughs> well, you know, when when the the pretty women come up and start taking pictures, your wife might have a, another another thought about that. So, you know, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> might be have to tap into a different market. Yeah, I think it's more of a man. I think it's more of a man watching kind of. You know, I think the car world is still more of a guy thing. But you know, you know, I don't know. It's changing. It's changing. It yeah. More and more females are are delivering more and more content on online. So it's pretty yeah. pretty amazing to see. Yeah. You know that. Uh, and I shouldn't really. Yeah, I shouldn't really say that. I mean, a lot of a lot of our clients are women, and you know, I mean, people. The thing about our videos that I do, that I aim to do, is just they're there to educate people, and they're there to you know show people, hey, we're competent, we know what we're doing, and that's my my focus. They're not sort. Of, they're not do it yourself for videos because then I I kind of focus them differently. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of the things I like to ask my guests uh, each week is uh, what is something that has inspired you or helped you along your journey as an entrepreneur? And if you could share that with the audience. Well, there's a lot of things I have to say, but I just, you, you mentioned this to me before we started the, uh, the podcast and I was uh, thinking actually one book that I love, it's called Good to Great. And I can't believe I can't think of the author's name right now. 
Um, anyways, good to great. It's a fantastic book. And, and he talks about different metrics for businesses, uh, you know, that have made them successful. It talks about, uh, you know, several companies and they, they tracked these companies versus their com competition and what, what made them go from like sort of being average companies to being incredibly profitable and, uh, you know, you know, good, great companies to work for. And, uh, so it's, it's a good book. It's really, really inspiring. Uh, especially when he talks about level five leadership, uh, you know, especially if you're going to have a, a business of some sort, it's like, anyways, read it. It's, it's a fantastically good book to read. It is. It is really good book to read. I was introduced to that book probably, probably about five years ago. I, I'm going to guess it's been sitting on my shelf for quite a long time since I've read it, but uh, it has been a very great book. The problem is, is for me when I read a book though, is uh, I don't necessarily retain the entire pieces of content. I've kind of adapted it, learned and applied all the stuff that I've taken it from it. So the problem for me is, is I'll come across something or I'll, I'll, I'll voice a piece of theory um, you know, that I've, that I feel that rings true, but I can't remember who it's from. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be caught for plagiarism one day and, and I won't even, I wouldn't be able to tell the person exactly where I've learned it from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that book, I, I just keep thinking about stuff like we talk about success and I think about, you know, a, a couple of the things in there, especially the one about there's, there's a thing about finding that sort of I can't remember the words he uses, but it, there's, there's that one metric in your business. So you just need to know that number and what's, what's the most successful thing, you know? And I kept thinking, well, what is it for mine? And there was, it's, you know, we're, we're an auto repair shop, so we sell, you know, labor time. I mean, we also sell parts, but that kind of goes along with the, with the rest of the job. But it's kind of like that, that one number, once I kind of focused in on that and I, you know, made that my kind of key metric and I pay my technicians bonuses and my staff bonuses around that, whereas that's, that's the number, you know, it's sold, like sold hours per day, you know, and that's the thing, but every business has something different and that's the thing you got to find with your own. So absolutely, you know, but yeah. So if anybody wants to connect with you, how are they going to find you? Uh, Pollockautomotive.com is our website. Uh, that's probably the best, uh, best way. Here's my, you know, logo, if you can read it. Um, so people will uh, be in the description for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, Bernie, Bernie at Pollock Automotive is my email. I mean, I kind of like email or, you know, I'd, I'd say my phone number, but, you know, it's like they can. No, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not do that. You're going to have more than people, more people from Nebraska giving you a call. <laughs> yeah, I like Nebraska. It's a good book, you know. Well, I haven't been there, but I'd like to anyways. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today here on the podcast. For those people who are tuning in, uh, if it's your first time, welcome and thank you so much for, for tuning in. And if you liked it, please feel free to give that uh, uh, a follow and we would really love your patronage. Uh, Bernie, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate it. It's been, it's been a pleasure and uh, I hope uh, for all of you watching, you get something out of it. Yeah, me too. I think, yeah. I think you've got lots of great things. So yeah. thank you again.